All right, it is great to be back with you all this morning. What a, a great opportunity is for me to see uh, the life and vitality of this congregation, uh, particularly in light of some of the things we traveled together uh, over a number of years, and to come back here now and see the, uh, just the transformation, not only of the property, but of the ongoing work of the Spirit in your lives is simply uh, a blessing to me. Uh, it's, and it's not, I'm really grateful to your clergy here, it's not that they're the only ones, but they, uh, Patrick, uh, Scott, Justin, the staff here, all of your leadership, thank you. But also, thank you to the laity of this church the lay leadership of this church, which has, in, uh, since, I, since I walked with you those difficult days eight, nine years ago, ten, um, yeah, I guess they weren't difficult eight years ago, you were here. So, uh, yeah, a little bit longer than that. Patrick's been here eight years. So, anyway, it's a delight, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because it it's been a great journey uh, for you all. It's been a pleasure to watch it. All right, so... Um, Last night, Kath and I went over to the Thompsons for dinner, actually, and uh, when we drove over there, we drove past MacArthur Park. Uh, some of you may know MacArthur Park, it's right off of 410 there near Nacogdoches and Harry Wurzbach. And I remembered when I was a kid, we spent a lot of time in MacArthur Park, uh, particularly uh, one particular time of the year, which was the eve of the Epiphany, uh, January 5th, my aunt and uncle would always take us kids over there and we had this thing called the burning of the Christmas tree. It's kind of a good luck thing really. Uh, we took a branch, did that. But anyway, the great thing about my memory when I go, by, go past MacArthur Park is I remember playing on the playground equipment. Now it was dark when we drove by yesterday, so I don't know if this thing is still there, and it may not be because it's not the safest thing in the world. But they had, uh, at that time, a merry-go-round. And this is the kind of merry-go-round where it was foot-operated by kiddos. You remember these maybe from your own childhood. You uh, ran as fast as you could, and then you jumped on this spinning orb, and uh, hopefully you were safe, you landed safely uh, on the edge. We weren't as concerned about safety then as people are now, so I don't know if they still let people do this or not. But when you got on it, the ride was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Uh, you're dangling out here, flying on the edge. But if you can make it to the middle of a merry-go-round, it's a lot smoother ride, isn't it? You get up there, um, and it just seems then you can ride along much more smoothly. Now, I was thinking about, you know, why do they even call it a merry-go-round? Why don't they just call it a go-round? Right? Some people might call it a nauseous go-round. <laughs> but they call it a merry-go-round. What does that mean, literally? It means to rotate happily, doesn't it? It's what you do on these things. You rotate happily, even though it's a wild ride. Wild ride. And I think as a metaphor for the Christian life, we might say that um, 
And rotating happily in a Christian sense doesn't mean everything's always going well. Happiness in the world is too fleeting for that. We're talking about a godly joy that keeps you centered, that keeps one balanced. So as life comes at you, which is like a merry-go-round, can be uh, pretty crazy all at one time, finding the center is a healthy spiritually healthy thing to do. Now, as I mentioned in the little few lines I was asked to write in the bulletin, uh, my image at that time for today was uh, I took my car in to get alignment. And, of course, I didn't really even know it needed alignment um, when I took it in for the oil change, but it did. And as I sat there and waited for it to be repaired, I thought, how'd this get out of alignment in the first place? Uh, and I thought, uh, first I thought, has Catherine been driving my car? Uh, but then I realized, you know, she's a better driver than I am. Got out of a light, when I'm sure, by running over all the potholes all over the place. Like most of us, uh, we hit these potholes, and when your car is out of alignment, you are pulled a little bit this way or a little bit that way. And you might not even know it at the beginning. You know, it's sort of like that uh, when, you, when you're drawing an angle in, in uh, geometry and you're pretty close to the center point, but by the time you're out here, it's really taken off. Christian life can be like that. We can get just a little bit out of alignment with Jesus. And pretty soon we're caught. You know, how did we get to where we are? There's a great line in The Prodigal Son. Uh, one of my favorite lines in that whole story is this. When the son who's slopping pigs, which is about the lowest thing a Jew could be asked to do, the line is, he came to himself. When he came to himself. When he realized he was out of alignment with his Lord. When he was not on the center of life's merry-go-round if you want to take it uh, that direction. So there's potholes of all sorts that bounce us out of alignment. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because the collect today that we prayed, we prayed here on Christ the King Sunday that we all can be brought under what? God's most gracious rule. God's alignment. God's centering. However you want to phrase that. This is Christ the King Sunday today. It's always the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, Epiphany. I'm Epiphany, Advent. First Sunday of Advent. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm jumping ahead, you know. I'm already, I'm working on 2020. Um, first Sunday of Advent is Happy New Year for the church. And so we have that next year. And so every single year, this Sunday, the last Sunday before First Advent, is Christ the King. This gospel lesson we heard sounds more appropriate, really, what? Holy Week, right? About the crucifixion. And yet, this is what we remember. The kingship of Jesus being brought under God's alignment, under God's, Jesus' most gracious rule. Now, you talk about a king or a leader that has a legacy of words and actions. I just went through the lectionary uh, before today 
to see what we've been learning over the last six months in the season of Pentecost. Here are just a couple of the things. Foxes have old holes, birds have nests. There was the sending of the 70. Uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's a wedding banquet and who you're supposed to invite to a party. There's uh, teaching about counting the cost. There's criticism for Jesus eating with sinners. There's a lesson to us all about don't look at uh, need right in front of your own face, told through the rich man and Lazarus. The disciples are having, they're on the merry-go-round, it's not going well. And they say, increase our faith. They, were have, they needed more faith. Ten lepers, only one comes back to say thanks. Pharisee and tax collector are praying, we're reminded about the need for humility in prayer. Zacchaeus, salvation today has come to this house. And then I'm always reminded and amazed at how much teaching we have in the gospel because somebody stood up and asked Jesus a question. Think about it. I mean, I could list a dozen at least instances where Jesus was asked a question and we got some great response to that that's been very part of our very DNA as his followers. Here are two. Because somebody stood up and asked Jesus one day, who is my neighbor? We have the story of the Good Samaritan. Would we have had that in there? I don't know. Maybe. Even more profoundly, the disciples asked Jesus one day, how should we pray? And what did he say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If somebody hadn't asked him that, I don't know, would we even have the Lord's Prayer? I guess Jesus could have worked it in somewhere, but we have it because somebody asked him a question, right? Teach us how to pray, or how shall we pray? So don't be afraid to ask a question. It's okay. That's how we learn. These things become foundational for who we are as Jesus' followers. Now, we don't travel this road full of potholes by ourselves. We have Jesus as our companion in the way. He said, this king of ours that we're observing today, I am the bread of life. Gospel of John. I'm the bread of life. What he's saying really there, I think, is I'm the nourishment that you need in your life. Stay aligned. Stay centered. Give us this day our daily nourishment. Our daily nourishment uh, in Christ. So much of this king's teaching over the last six months, and of course always, don't waste time on things that are knocking you out of alignment. If you want to stay in alignment, the single biggest secret to that is to want to be in alignment. If you want to be in alignment, you're going to work on being in alignment. And we make all kinds of New Year's resolutions on December 31st that are gone, usually mid-January. But in this case, this Sunday is New Year's Eve for the Christian church. And so as we think about how are we going to live in the next year of the story of our Lord, and as we go down this path, how might we do that most effectively for 
the sake of Christ and others. Paul puts it better than I am putting it. He said this in Ephesians 4. Lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, patience, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Grow into the full measure of Christ. The whole body is joined, knit together by every, in every ligament, where every part works properly and promotes the body's growth in the building itself up uh, in love. I like it that he uses the word ligament here in that passage, because the root word for ligament in, in Latin is legare, and it's the same root word that forms our word religion. Religion. The legare. You know what that means? It means connectedness, binding, fastening. If your ligaments start popping, you've got all kinds of problems. Right? Your ligaments hold your body together. They bind it together. So religion, which unfortunately in today's world is often a bad word. People hear it, oh, source of division, whatever. You know, they're always at war with each other, whatever it is. It's a beautiful word. Because it means to fasten ourselves to God. That is what the word religion is all about. Fastening ourselves to God. For our own benefit and for the benefit of others. We're in a partnership with God. The whole idea of this calling of the disciples and now all the way down through 2,000 years uh, to us. It's a daunting responsibility this partnership, it's both privilege and it's hard work. But hard work is often a privilege to do. Uh, but in this partnership. So, if you don't remember anything else I've said today, or I'm going to say, remember what I'm about to say. All right? You can say, well, why didn't you just start with that? We could be done. Okay. But this is very important in terms of this partnership and ministry, I think. Nobody here has a mandate to change the world. But every one of us here today has a mandate to change the world around us. And if we do that, and we work on that, then the world is going to be the beneficiary of that. And so, if we have a mandate, a commandment, really, to change the world around us, in whatever sphere of influence we have, then we are, we need to be in proper alignment with our Lord. And so we're reminded on this day through the lessons, through the collect, through our hymns, of the need to be placed under God's most gracious rule, as the collect said. It always counts for God when we love our neighbor. Now let me close with this. You remember the book, Everything You Need to Know, learned in kindergarten? Robert Fulgham, a number of years ago. I just paraphrased a little bit of this. Thinking about the way we might effect godly presence in our own sphere of influence. He says this. Without realizing it, we fill important places in each other's lives. 
Every person passing through this life will unknowingly leave something behind and take something away. It's that way with the guy at the corner grocery store, the mechanic at the local garage, the family doctor, teachers, neighbors, co-workers. People who teach us, bless us, encourage us, support us, uplift us in the dailiness of life. And of course, we fill that role ourselves. There are those who depend upon us, watch us, learn from us. You may never have proof of your importance, but you are more important than you think. That's a message from this king today, well, through Robert Fulham, about the, the power of the spirit that God shares with us and recognizing the presence of God in ourselves and in our neighbor. Shorter way to say that, God don't make no junk, right? Everything, everybody is precious to God. So as we think about how we might live, make our New Year's resolutions for uh, this new year starting uh, next week, I encourage you to think about alignment in the days ahead, riding this uh, merry-go-round, stay close to the center, and with the Lord Jesus Christ, may you happily rotate. <laughs> Amen. Amen.